0: Welcome back It's another week of Tudor Talk Time. Got a really sore throat, so I sound a bit wobbly, but sorry. This week, we're going to be talking about the life of Mary Tudor, Queen of France, and the younger sister of Margaret Tudor, who we discussed last week. It took me so long to find stuff on her, because I've kept getting her confused with, like, Mary yes. the First. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, even if you write Mary, Queen of France... So, I read an entire article just to realize oh they are talking about mary queen of scots um but should we just get going yeah so she was born on the 18th of march either 1495 or 96. yeah and this is only a year after the death of elizabeth who was henry the seventh and elizabeth of york's other daughter and so obviously this is like a very welcomed birth they were very happy about this but the family are probably still mourning their daughter Elizabeth, who they did really mourn, like, they did a huge funeral procession for her. And there's a statue commemorating her in Westminster Abbey. But yeah, her parents, Henry VII Elizabeth of York, are, like, the kind of rulers who brought together the York and Lancastrian thrones, lines. Houses. <laughs> houses. <laughs> houses. Um, and so... All of their heirs are like really important people because they're going to be the first heirs to represent both houses and to unite the Wars of the Roses. End the Wars of the Roses. Right, end the Wars of the Roses. <laughs> <laughs> but kind of weirdly, well it's not really weird, it's very normal, but she was named Mary Rose and I just think with all the little rose, Wars of the Roses. Mary Rose is that sauce which is ketchup and mayonnaise. Ew really good magic. i thought it was called Laura pink because i made it up when i was fine i guess someone came up with it before me oh probably so. mary tudor her education it's actually really interesting that her handwriting is described as being loose and unpracticed oh probably because women wrote less than men but it's also said to be almost identical to henry VIII, who was her brother and this was probably due to the fact that they had a very similar education so, in their later years, they had the same tutor, William Hone, but in their earlier years, it was likely Elizabeth of York would have taught all her children, especially since she was unusually well-educated for a woman, and she believed that her daughters should be educated in the same way that she was. And also, another big um, power in her education was Margaret Beaufort, and we know that how intelligent that woman was, and she definitely valued uh, her granddaughter's education. But Henry VII, her father, uh, actually showed no real interest in her, to be honest. He saw his daughters as a means for securing political marriages and foreign policy, but, but beyond that, he wasn't that fussed about them. Initially, she was promised to Charles or Carlos of Ghent, who was a prince of Castile, when he was eight and she was 13. it's reported that she really loved being a princess of
1: castile um but it's also reported that she didn't want to marry someone who was younger than her yeah
0: this a marriage proposal was decided at a one-day summit conference which was held in calais in 1500. it was its aim was to repair the anglo-burgundian relations promoting habsburg support for the for the yorkist cause so this meant that philip and henry would cement their good relationship by discussing a double marriage alliance. So they wanted Henry VIII to marry Eleanor and they wanted Mary to marry Charles. Um, this, so this betrothal happened in 1508. There was a proxy marriage of Mary, who was only 12, to Archduke Philip's nine-year-old son, Charles. Um, the royal printer described it as the most noble alliance and greatest marriage of the Christendom. Charles was heir to a lot of territory, which was great. He had the Holy Roman Emperor, the Holy Roman Empire in Austria, Burgundy and the, and the Netherlands, Castile and Aragon, and their rapidly growing empire in the New World. Um, the whole celebration, it was a big, big thing. They had festivities which were divided between Greenwich and Richmond, and they began in early December. The proxy wedding itself took place on the 17th of December in Richmond. Mary, because she was schooled with the same teacher as her brothers, is said to have spoken very well, and she gave lengthy vows which were perfectly and distinctly in the French tongue which is very impressive. Um, there were three days of jousting following the sem- ceremony, and then the court all returned to Greenwich to celebrate Christmas together. Obviously, it didn't really work that much. Because <laughs> in 1514, having been betrothed for six years, um, that betrothal was broken off. Um, it's likely at this point that she is already quite in love with a man called Charles Brandon, who is. A man of much lower rank, so not really a suitable
1: suitor. I mean, yes, he doesn't (laughs) know. I mean, he had only been ennobled by Henry VIII. I'm pretty sure, like, he got most of his titles and lands from Henry granting them to him. So, obviously, not the best candidate. But um, Mary did strike a promise with her brother. With Henry VIII now on the throne, she and her six-year-long betrothal cancelled, she decided to make a little deal with her brother. She said, listen, well, allegedly, (laughs) allegedly she said, um, you can make me marry whoever you want, but as long as, but if I outlive them, if they die before I die, I'm allowed to remarry whoever I want. And Henry said, of course, to appease her mind.
0: Charles Brandon was already about ten years older than her, and he'd had a wife who had died, he had divorced another wife. I think he had two daughters at this point. And she's still pretty young. Sorry, let me just work out how old she is. How old is she? Eighteen. <laughs> 18. Yeah. So yeah, instead a proxy wedding took place between Mary and Louis the Twelfth of France he was 52 years old. <laughs> it's a worse Ew. age gap. Um and because he's so old and so frail, she becomes just like a nurse to him and she's just like almost like a employee in a way and don't think there was any love there and she was really angry about this marriage. She complained about it to Henry a lot.
1: Yeah, she was very vocal against it.
0: But it was just a diplomatic marriage in us in that way. It was actually said that um, Maximilian and Philip were kind of peeved off that she went for the French marriage instead of a uh, Habsburg marriage. Yeah, but I mean,
1: I think in probably in Henry VIII, like why am I defending Henry VIII? Anyways, I think in Henry VIII's eyes, he already had like the ties with yeah. Spain settled. He was still happy with marriage to Catherine of Aragon. You know, the Spanish infant, So I think he thought all was good. Um, And that there was no need to like, there was no need to like, deepen the ties of Spain. He was like, may as well spread them out.
0: Nevertheless, the marriage between Mary and Louis took place on October the 9th in 1514. And even if she was, you know, unhappy with her situation, she did treat Louis with kindness and, as Laura said, was a bit of a nurse towards him. Um, But she didn't have to do it for very long because he died on January 1st, the next year. And Mary was then taken away to mourn. I don't think she was doing much mourning. (laughs) I think she was being forced to mourn. But they made her mourn in a very kind of pious way, in a very nun-like way. She was veiled and secluded, isolated from everyone to show her mourning. And this is when... It's a bit of a weird choice of Henry to send Charles Brandon. But he sends him. He sends him to France. Because they're besties. To congratulate Francis on his accession to the throne. And also, initially, to try and persuade Mary into another diplomatic marriage. But, like, ultimately just to bring her home because she's not having that at all. But it it's interesting because it was very clear that Brandon and Mary did have something going on. So for Henry to choose to send him to see his sister again, knowing that there is like a potential spark there,
1: mm.
0: it is, it's quite weird of him. It seems that he's like, either he's just being a bit stupid, yeah. or He's not really that. Like,
1: no, I think, it, I, I think ultimately. Sorry, I think ultimately it's that Henry VIII is just too shallow to like see. Like I don't feel like Henry VIII is just too shallow to understand that people wouldn't do what he wants. Do you know what I mean? He's like, this is my sister. Of course she'll come back and marry who I say. And Mary's like, hmm,
0: not sure. Before Henry or Francis I, Louis' successor, could sort of place her in another political marriage, um, which she didn't want, she married Charles
1: Brandon. And if there's anything Paris. that she did dynasty this
0: it's a secret marriage and we think it's around sort of late February time but it being a secret marriage and all we don't know for certain and Mm. the thing that casts quite a bit of doubt on the whole her and Henry having this sort of agreement is that Henry VIII was furious he was fuming with Mary we saw yeah. quite a lot in our episode on Margaret before that Margaret actually felt quite a lot of the brunt of this fury mm. that he sort of took a lot of his anger of Mary on oh, Margaret. That. Um so it is likely that it is more than likely that he was not expecting her to go and do this. And no. it
1: very much goes against all of his plans. I think Henry's just too Yeah, I think he's just too self centered to see it as a problem. He just I feel like he probably just made that promise to like Shut her up.
0: Get her out of the way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, so with the marriage to Brandon, obviously following a marriage, it's likely that you get a portrait done. So they have a portrait together, which I found I found it quite funny, because basically they look really, really in love. They're angled towards each other, they're holding each other's hands, they're really gazing at each other. Then Mary's also holding an artichoke choke on the other hand. You <laughs> just found a bit random. I'm sure there's probably
1: Big significance mm. to it, but Osterix I don't is know what. Fertility or something. Everything really is. Isn't <laughs>
0: pomegranate fertility? I just think artichokes. Really no, like vegetable
1: to hold. When I was doing my the stuff, like literally every other thing in the portrait was for fertility. Like, and it was more than just. It was like every other thing. It was like virginity or, or fertility.
0: Well, that. thankfully, uh, Charles Brandon would end up sort of re- regaining favor of Henry VIII. Basically through bribery. Um, but you know, it's fine. It's fine. you it, you gotta do what you gotta do mm. to get Game's the game. in-laws to love you. Game's
1: game.
0: Yeah, exactly. And they did end up having quite a few children together. Well, they had Henry Brandon, <laughs> who's the first Earl of Lincoln.
1: And that would have really uh that would have really soothed Henry's ego. You yeah. would have been like, You're never telling more Why thank you. They had Eleanor,
0: Eleanor, who would become Eleanor Clifford. They had another Henry Brandon, and they had Francis, who would become Francis Grey, dun, dun, dun. the mother of Mary, Jane, and Catherine Grey, who we've done episodes on. Cardinal Wolsey. I wouldn't say that he was a big supporter of um, Mary and Charles's marriage, but he was. He was willing to sort of intervene on their behalf to smooth things over with Henry, and this is also probably a reason why Henry stopped kind of wanting to kill the both of them.
1: You know, good for good for them, um... And then on, she dies in
0: 1533, and she dies pretty young, mm. she's only around 40, I um, don't do maths, so... There's not much about Mary in most things because I think she's kind of pushed to the side even though she was Queen of France. Albeit for like three months. But um, nevertheless, definitely
1: interesting to look into. Yeah, I think she's kind of thought of as like slightly irrelevant. But I think she's like thought as like Henry's baby sister. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah.
0: No, no, definitely. I think she is just sort of seen as the scandalous Tudor. I'm gonna add it in the like- 1510, it was called the Shrovetide Revel, which was basically a party and it's kind of beginning of Henry's reign. So obviously he wants a big party. He wants people to see him as successful enough to have a big party. Um, They all disguise themselves as Russians, Prussians, or Turks. But then the leading ladies of court, including Mary, so were dressed in costume and covered in a black, I think it's like a paint or like a oil or something. Oh but my God, basically that was for her to get off. Sorry. <laughs> they were meant to, you know.
1: But you know, we like to cover all of their the aspects of their lives. The
0: good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> there was never really a sense of racial equality in England. Um, but you do have some prominent figures of colour. Like also Field of the Cloth, Clover Gold episode, I can't remember if we mentioned this, there is actually a black trumpeter in
1: the portrait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in the tapestry. official things.
0: Um so we do have people of colour being in court, but not really at a noble degree. I read a really oh I can't remember what book it's called. But it it was by um Sathnam Sanger, I think. It was so good. And basically what he said was that when I was growing up, if I had seen kind of like people of colour during Tudor times, if they had taught us about that, I would feel a lot more comfortable in Britain, but we're not taught about that. So people of colour are taught that they are new to this country that they don't mm. really belong because they haven't been there as long but if we were all taught that actually there have been people of colour in this country for five six hundred years you know you'd feel a lot more comfortable and I was like that's yeah. really mad mm. That we just we I had no clue I yeah, think I, I, people I think came over maybe like in the 1800s yeah I know
1: but that's still like hundreds of years that they've been here that's like multiple generations that they've like established themselves here but I think it's kind of hard like literally, do you remember when we went to a thing at Hampton Court and it was about the trumpeter? Yeah. And it was literally like this is one of the first times in, you know, western paintings uh, that a person of colour has been depicted. Like it was like, it's like, it was a very new thing having that trumpeter depicted and that doesn't necessarily mean that they didn't exist but they clearly, um, you know, it wasn't as prominent. So I think it's a bit of a balance yeah
0: bit of a tangent there, anyway. Mm. hope you enjoyed this week's episode. and yeah, we'll see you next week on Tuesday talk, talk time.